Chapter One of the Night Side of New York. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Night Side of New York by members of the New York Press. A fashionable clubhouse. There is always a mystery about clubs to the uninitiated. Those closed corporations, the entrance to which is guarded by two or three little black balls. What do they do there? How are they managed? Who goes there? Are haunting inquisitions to every old lady in the town. Brown, who is promenading with his friend from the country, halts before an imposing stone-front house and begs countrymen to excuse him, for this is his club. The gentleman from the rural district shakes his head and is rather doubtful of the character of the house, and he walks around the building like the shadow in the storybook peeps through the window-blinds, and then crosses over to the opposite side of the way, and his impression of the character of the house, now that his curiosity, still unappeased and dreadfully aroused, grows deeper that it's a very bad place for young men. A dashing coupé comes thundering down the street. The driver reins up his steed in front of the very house the countryman's friend has disappeared in. The close watch of the countryman now reveals to his optics the occupant of the vehicle as some celebrated city clergyman. As the astounded countryman sees the honorable churchman, with a white necktie, follow in the wake of his friend, his senses are confounded and his mystery doubled, and he yields begrudgingly his conviction that it's a very bad place for young men. New York can boast, and it's a questionable honor of a score of clubs, clubs for every profession, a club where the aristocracy and merchant princes alone are admitted to membership, a club where long-haired artists and nervous literary men only congregate, a club where money-changers, Jews and Shylock stockbrokers carry on their exciting traffic far into the night, a club where muscular oarsmen and the owners of yachts congregate and bet and sail imaginary races and plan ocean sweepstakes a club political where election campaigns are canvassed where money is raised for election purposes and government officials are beheaded and would-be officials are manufactured who can doubt the influence of that powerful conclave the union league club who have their spacious home in the shadow of union square who give such grand dinners to the notable public characters that they may gobble up flying through our city, filling the columns of the daily papers with glowing accounts of marvellous banquets to titled or celebrated foreign politicians visiting our shores. Then there is the Century Club. What high old times for dignified gentlemen they kick up there, on Twelfth Night, perhaps. How they don old clothes and grey wigs, put a harp in some aged fellow's hand, and play at shakespeare times how the public read of all these queer doings and wonder what their clubs are made of that some of these clubs are very social and draw into their vortex the best men of the city is not to be disputed and that many of them are as notorious for gambling as the haunts of the statues adorning the corners of prince street and broadway is equally true but that most of them are the refuge of henpecked husbands the breeders of domestic dissension, a conclave of male gossips, who will deny? Be this as it may, we are writing of clubs not intending to moralize over them. We take the following extract from an interesting paper, written some years ago, on New York clubs and clubmen. 
in america until within a few years back clubs were almost unknown and even now in our most wealthy city new york they hold but a very subordinate place in the social structure compared with the clubs of london of the new york clubs the union established in eighteen twenty two is alike the oldest and the wealthiest its grounds and buildings cost over two hundred thousand dollars it has about five hundred members one hundred dollars is charged as entrance fee and the annual subscription amounts to fifty dollars its president is the hon john a king late governor of the state of new york it counts among its membership many men of note in arts literature politics and commerce bancroft the astors general scott f b cutting charles o'connor and others are members of the union the century club is composed of authors artists and amateurs of letters and the fine arts the entrance fee is forty dollars and the annual subscription twenty four dollars the number of members is limited to two hundred and fifty most of the best-known american authors and artists are members of the century bryant taylor kensett curtis bancroft butler church the painter darley julian c verplanck the last named being at present its president it may be of interest to note some of the rules and restrictions regarding club amusements in the united states in the union club all games of hazard are prohibited it is however permitted to play whist for as high a stake as five dollars per game of ten points or two and a half dollars per game of five points billiards may be played for a dinner of the value of one dollar per game of a hundred points the introduction of dogs is peremptorily prohibited as might be supposed smoking is allowed in all parts of the house except upon the first floor no games are permitted to be played on sunday in most other respects the rules and regulations and management of the clubs of new york philadelphia and boston are very similar to those of their prototypes the clubs of london let us enter one of these famous new york clubs a fashionable club in modern parlance where the members all are gentlemen as far as the tailor and a strict adherence to the rules of society go to manufacture that nondescript animal the clubhouse in exterior is very imposing a large four-story stone front its locality is unquestionable for it is on the fifth avenue that st germain of new york we mount a flight of stone steps ring the bell which is immediately answered by a very respectable individual with carefully shaved whiskers black suit swallow tail cut white cravat and slippers his whole air is decidedly english and the very prototype of a london lackey there is no question as to our right of entrance so we leave this highly respectable doorkeeper to his easy-chair in the square entrance hall and enter the spacious parlor at the right a gorgeous chandelier lends the light of a score of burners upon the drawing-room scene the furniture is heavy and luxurious fresh from the hands of the most fashionable upholsterers an elaborate centre table stands beneath the chandelier upon it are a dozen richly bound volumes of the best of poet authors they look unsoiled and we know that they are seldom troubled the walls are elegantly frescoed and the mansion was until very recently the residence of a fashionable family whose taste in these matters is unquestionable that big bay window in the daytime is always patronized by a dozen youthful members who sport eyeglasses and ogle female promenaders 
a few chairs drawn toward it now mark the spot that these young bucks about town love to haunt in the full glow of the afternoon sun passing from this room through a glass door we enter the billiard room the tables are all occupied and a dozen anxious waiters are watching jealously each count that lessens the score of each player these patient waiters are not as numerous as one would expect for none but fair players are bold enough to handle a cue here where each game is so severely criticized and then the stakes are rather heavy this apartment was once a carefully arranged conservatory and before its being turned into a billiard room was a scene almost enchanting orange trees fragrant and choice exotics intoxicated the senses with their perfume and beauty a fountain cooled the air and the music of its spray charmed whoever lingered over its marble basin what romantic tales could its walls whisper what warm words from loving lips dropped in this consecrated spot in the good times not very long past bah the monotonous green of these long tables the continual clanking of the clashing balls dispel all the romance of this once hallowed pretty chamber mounting the broad staircase startled a little by the shadowy form of knightly armor holding solitary sentinel in the niches in the walls we come into the card or smoking-room of the floor above we are now within the inner court beyond that veil if rent would show up the fascinations of club life this room is the coziest and most luxurious in the building warm colored walls a cheerful fire easy seats deep sinking and soft lolling smokers and lazy loungers all congregate here here the sporting man the moderate gambler the inveterate old whist player and all lovers of play lounge far into the night let us sketch one group it will be a sample picture for the most inquisitive of all outsiders in this quartet is represented a wrinkled old naval officer a spruce-looking young merchant a short fat jolly doctor and a sunburnt visitor from the sunny south they had well advanced in their game as we entered and the young merchant and the doctor showed plainly by their pleased looks that they had pushed their opponents sorely it was a little interesting to note how indifferent the sallow southern took his share of ill luck in comparison with the angry scowl of the old sea-dog to the latter came shortly the deal the polite virginian offered to deal for him but the sour old lord of the quarter-deck seized the pack with a bungling grace that sent half the cards upon the floor with a deep-mouthed salt-water oath he dashed the remnants after them and tearing the cover from a fresh pack proceeded slowly to deal them the young merchant seeing the ill-humor with which his aged opponent took his luck winked slyly at his partner and assumed an air of confidence arguing further success it was a high trump that he of the navy finished his deal with but it lessened not his ill-humor we saw him pour down a whole horn that would have staggered a landsman squinting at his hand and then at his trump he bid his neighbor fire away the old salt was evidently a veteran of the battle of whist and with the very fair hand that had fallen to him he fired away the luck turning the young merchant looked perplexed and the doctor sipping his brandy shook his head and brought all his science to bear upon the game he too was no ordinary player a trump card of the southern was straddled by a higher 
and the old commodore saw with disgust a trick that he counted upon carried away by his opponents the eyes of the virginian flashed with latent fire wine had heated his brain and he attempted to cover his waning fortune by a higher wager there was a pause idle members drew their seats nearer the party and deserted all the other card tables words were loudly spoken wine flowed freely the propriety of increasing the wager at that state of the game looked hazardous it was settled however and the game went on a careless revoke on the part of the doctor which had a very queer look to an outsider jarred the harmony once more and caused the commodore to bleed his oaths very freely bets passed between the outsiders orders for beverages increased and as the tide in the naval officer's glass went down the game seemed all his way the southerner flashed his diamond ring and dealt his cards superbly with an ease that showed an old hand at the pictures the doctor and the merchant in the end yielded the winnings and as they were puffing away at a brace of solacing weeds in the reading-room a few moments later we heard the latter rather hissingly compliment the old sea-dog this is but an every-night scene sometimes the excitement is even greater and the bets heavier add to all this the circulating gossip that a congregation like this are ever retailing then you may conceive of the fascination of a clubhouse the doctor whose patients are in madison square and on murray hill sees a good deal of life that is veiled to the rest of the world what a zest his anecdotes and gossip has the banker who holds your balances and knows your wealth to a penny how he is buttonholed by fathers having marriageable sons or daughters then the lawyer so very reticent you could trust him with a fearful secret you think alas how the good wine loosens his tongue what strange things he whispers here that his society may gather a few choice spirits at his elbow from the card-room we pass into the salle a manger here you will see ponderous members hungry members members who love to tickle the palate who sit long over their wine who have no thought for a wife and family at home dining off cold mutton while they revel on the good things of this life for such we trust there is a severe caudal lecture awaiting them this night a heavier reckoning than the little bill of the steward the amount of which would be bountiful indeed to their pale pinched wives studying the hard code of an economical household here you can feed according to the extent of your purse and if that be limited stretch it a little by going into the steward's account until a month's end brings you and him to a settlement the settlements are not all as prompt as one would think in a congregation that represents so much of the wealth of our city sometimes this steward accommodates the gentleman but at a ruinous rate of interest he will even advance money to those who have played deep or to whom a short loan would be a godsend he is certainly the most popular officer of the whole club and his birth is a sinecure that yields an income not to be sneezed at the bill of fare you'll find changed each day and is as various as the cart at delmonico's or the maison doree the reading-room is well supplied with all the latest newspapers foreign and domestic quarterlies and monthlies here you can write a business letter undisturbed or indite an amorous billet in placid quietness 
whatever can promote social enjoyment and an agreeable evening's entertainment not inconsistent with its rules is the study of the officers of the club how far they have succeeded is too apparent in this crowd of devotees there are nights very seldom in their occurrence though and marked by a white stone when the lady friends of the members are invited to pass a social hour here music is furnished and creams and ices passed around but mrs grundy sees nothing there that she could even shake her umbrella at but as the night is waning we must depart carriages and hacks lumber the street members some in husky and very inarticulate voices are hailing their several drivers some are going home to sleep off their deep potations and a few whose appetites for play have not been the least appalled by the moderate rules of the house are going to where they can play yet deeper and revel in a passion that has been fanned into a flame by losses or gains in their own club End of chapter one